Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Internet Marketing brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And today I'm talking to Ahava Liebtag, who's the president and owner of Aha Media Group and author of the book, The Digital Crown Winning Content on the Web. Ahava, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Andy, for having me. It's wonderful to be here. What was the inspiration for the book? So I have been working in the digital strategy field for about 15 years and specifically within content for about eight. And what happened was that I began to see that everybody had the same problems, no matter what the size of the business was, no matter which industry people were working in, no matter, um, you know, big teams, small teams, it didn't seem to matter. The same content problems kept cropping up again and again, and they didn't seem to be limited to digital strategy and content. They seemed to also be at their core business problems. How do we get the right people in the room? How do we make sure that we're communicating efficiently? How do we make sure the right people are in the right roles? How do we make sure that we have systems in place that govern what's going on? And so over time, I began to see that everybody was trying to reinvent the wheel. But there's a reason why the wheel was invented thousands of years ago, and we haven't come up with something better. Mm. So I wanted to write something that would really help you know, small and medium-sized business owners, as well as content professionals within large organizations or people on marketing teams that don't specifically have a content person but need to think about content and digital strategy and give them a fresh approach to how to do this so that they would really be able to have success within their organizations without having to think up a new way of doing something when an old way modified might really work well. Now, I love the way that in your book you talk a lot about systems. And as soon as I say that word systems, my eyes light up because I'm a real systems kind of guy because I, well, I'm supposed to be a systems designer, but we won't talk about that. Um, you have these, these seven rules that you talk about in the book. Tell us, talk us through these seven rules to follow. Sure. I just, I want to take a step back though and remind um, everybody that you brush your teeth twice a day. That's a system yeah. and it's a habit. You don't think about it, but it's a system you have in place. 
and we all have little systems in place for the way that we live our lives. In fact, many of us drive to and from work the exact same way every day, and that's also a system. And when we create systems and they become habits, and they're healthy habits and they're good habits, they hopefully really help us as people within our personal lives, and then as well as when we institute these things professionally. Mm. So the point of the seven rules was to help create a system around how to get at digital strategy in a successful way, but also creating some freedom around it. One of the things that I always talk about in terms of content strategy is that the goal of content strategy is to take the guesswork out of execution so that creativity around content can flourish. And when we all know this from our own lives, when the execution part of it is thought out, so we know how to squeeze out the toothpaste, how to put to turn the water on, how to brush our teeth, how to rinse the toothpaste off, we don't think about it anymore because the it's already sort of written out for us. We've learned how to do it and we know how to do it. And it's Mm. the same in content and digital strategy. When we have certain guiding principles in place, we're going to have more success and better achievement. So my seven rules are um, start with your audience, involve stakeholders early and often, keep it iterative, create multidisciplinary content teams, make governance central, establish workflow that works, and invest in professionals and trust them. And these seven rules really came out of watching people make the same mistakes over and over again and trying to find um, a cohesive principle that would apply to almost any size business and almost any industry. Wow. You whizzed through those seven rules quite quickly. Could you cover them briefly for us? Sure, sure. So the first one is start with your audience because if you don't know, so I, I'll take a step back here for a second. When I talk about content, I always say content is a conversation in a marketplace. Mm. And in order to have a healthy conversation with anyone, you need to know two things. You need to know who you are and you need to know who you're talking to. And so that's why rule number one is start with your audience. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that marketers should act like their target audiences are people that they're falling in love with. They should want to know every possible thing about them because the better you know your audience, the better it is that you're going to craft great content for them. Sure, yeah. One of the things that I've learned in, in my career is that the more specific you can get with content, the better it's going to resonate with people. And very often as marketers, we tend to go general because we think that we have to appeal to everybody. But most people actually would rather have a specific piece of information than a general caveat. So knowing what those specific facts are for your target audience are really important. And the only way to really get at that is to do research and spend time with those target audiences. Mm, yeah. That's the first rule. The second rule is involve stakeholders early and often. And that's about really when you're inside a big company or you're serving a certain part of the company, you need to know as much information as you can from the people who are going to approve the content and approve the direction of the content. And I was on so many digital strategy projects that switched in the middle or changed management hands in the middle or got approved by one person and then the the person approving it at the end was somebody totally different and didn't like the final product Mm. that I really felt that there had to be something for people to have that they need to know you need to involve these stakeholders as often as you can so that you don't get that switcheroo right in the middle of a project. Sure, yeah. And then keep it iterative is just about constantly practicing and not, you know, freaking out about every single content project, but seeing it as a learning experience. 
I, you know, I'm constantly trying out different things with the marketing for my own company, and I'm always encouraging my clients to try to keep it iterative, simply just posting things different times on social media and watching when your analytics spike is a great way to just dip your toe into that rule in terms of always keeping it fresh and always trying to take what you've learned and, and put it towards the next experience. Now, that's interesting because um, I recently spoke to another interviewee who, who was talking about a similar thing, and we were comparing it to software development, the agile approach where we keep our iterations short and fail quickly and then move on to the next thing. Exactly, exactly. And I actually talk about waterfall versus agile in the book in exactly this rule where I speak about how, you know, if you – you can't put all your eggs in one basket right away because then you're not going to have any eggs left. So better to keep trying new things in small iterations to see what changes instead of trying to do things in a big way over and over again and having to spend so much time fixing whatever the big things are. But I I think people are nervous about that. And what they don't realize is that the web is just a bunch of zeros and ones, you know, like if it doesn't work, you can take it down. It's okay. You know, the world isn't going to come to an end. So I think that's where we sort of have, we've sort of taken the fun out of our industry a little bit. Mm. And I think we need to remember that, you know, what we're doing is important and it's serving people and it's creating value for them. Anybody who's ever had to get a piece of information off the web knows how much value there is in content. So that's basically almost everybody. But I think that we also have to remember that we can have fun with this and we can play with it and we can experiment it. We shouldn't take the play out of what it is that we do. Um, And then rule number four is create multidisciplinary content teams. And that's about making sure that people on the front lines of the organization get a seat at the table. Very often, one of the things that bothers me about the way that we do content right now is that executives are making major decisions about the content and the topics and what we should cover and when we should cover it. And really, the people who are dealing with customers the most directly should have a say in what that content looks like. And we talked earlier about the specificity of what people are looking for. And so I think that the people on the front lines, you know, either the people who speak directly to customers or answer their questions or deal with them on a daily basis have so much insight into who they really are and what they want that they really should be a part of any content process that you have in your organization. Sure. And then make governance central is just about making sure that you don't that you're you have a consistent voice and a consistent style across all the channels that you use. So the other day I got a question from somebody um, who's doing marketing for a startup. And he's like, I think our Twitter voice should be a little bit different than our Facebook voice. And so I challenged and I said, I don't really see why that would be. How do you know that the people who are hanging out on Twitter are not also the same people who are hanging out on Facebook and vice versa? Like, have you built a wall between the two social media channels (laughs) that we're unaware of? (laughs) And I think that part of what, you know, Keep Governance Central is really about is that or make governance central is that we just want to have that consistency in our brand's voice. And, you know, a lot of content projects I worked on, we would spend hours talking about how to refer to the organization. That should be decided way before a content person walks in there. Um, And then rule number six is establish workflow that works. So again, just making sure the right people are in the right roles. I talk about, um, I watch this show with my kids called DC Cupcakes, and it's this show about these two sisters who started a cupcake bakery in Georgetown, and now they have places all over the country and maybe even the world at this point. 
And what I noticed while I was watching the show was that everybody in the bakery had to do their role at the right time or the cupcakes didn't come out good. So, for example, if the baker didn't bake the cupcakes for long enough, they couldn't ice them properly because the centers would sag because they weren't. And I thought to myself, you know what? There's really workflow in everything. It's not just content. I mean, it's everything has workflow. And so it's really important in our organizations that we're not serving up unbaked iced cupcakes to our customers, but we're giving them really great, well-baked cupcakes that can support the icing that's on top of them. And I I know that's kind of a complicated sort of silly metaphor, but I think it works well. Well, I certainly like it because I love cupcakes. I love cupcakes too. So, um, but there's just, you know, there's something like when you think about that, when you think about like peeling off the cupcake wrapper and seeing like a gooey middle and yeah. instead there should have yeah, been a Yeah, I used cupcake. to call those mum's gone wrong cakes. They're actually quite tasty. There you go. Yeah. There you go. But nobody wants their content like that either. Just mm. like they don't want their cupcake like that. They don't want their content like that either. And so we really need to make sure that we have a baker in a baker's role and an icer in an icer's role and a decorator yeah. in a decorator's role. Editors, writers, videographers, photographers, they all need to be it's those systems again isn't it it's just exactly that's exactly yeah. right it's put it's exactly right it's a before b before c and so on and then the last one is near and dear to my heart it's invest in professionals and trust them and part of what this rule is really about is that so many organizations just don't have the internal talent and workforce that they need to do a lot of these roles because mm. A lot of things in digital are new, programming, developing, designing, all this stuff is just we don't have the workforce that's trained for it yet. And what I find is that companies will hire consultants to help them, but then they don't listen to what the consultant has to say. And what I always say is that there's a difference between listening and hearing. So at least hear what the consultant has to say. You don't have to take their advice and you don't have to implement the strategies or the tactics or, or any recommendations that they make for you. But if you're going to you know, bring in an outside perspective, let yourself hear what that outside perspective has to say because very often they are actually going to be able to shed some light on why you're having the challenges that you're having. Sure. And so those are my seven rules. I feel like I talked a lot, but... Um, <laughs> They, I think that they are very valuable, and I think that they, they will help a lot of organizations start to get start to give them a starting point with where to wrap their arms around where they should start first. Sure. Now, you talk, you talk in your book as well about um, the importance of communication, and I think that's very relevant because as you were going through those seven rules, it got me thinking because two of them sounded like that might cause a bit of difficulty. Like you were talking about having multidisciplinary teams – but then you were also talking about having a sort of constant look from the outside world. So communication must be incredibly important internally. Yeah, I think it is. And I think it doesn't, it doesn't happen enough and it happens too much and it happens in the wrong ways. So let me talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. The first is, is that what's the number one way people use to communicate with each other today? Email. And so much is lost in email. We don't have tonality. I mean, we had to invent emoticons in order to sort of explain what we really <laughs> meant by a, a line. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard for people today. They're, 
I feel like they're bombarded by so many pieces of information from different parts of the company and nobody slows down to take the time to actually think about things. So I very often sit in meetings and people are making these snap decisions where, you know, a few years before you would have taken weeks to have decided how you were going to go about that particular challenge. But now we feel like we have to make things, make decisions really quickly because the rest of the world is operating at the speed of light. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So when, with the rule with making multidisciplinary content teams, what I mean by that is that you shouldn't just have the same three marketers or communications people in the room when you're making decisions about content. You should have people from across the the company who cut across silos. And we still tend to work in these very sort of like departments and we don't see content as what it really is, which is a shared asset among the organization. And in order for everybody to do well, right, a rising tide raises all boats, Mm. we need to make sure that we treat content as a shared asset and that we are all behind what needs to happen in terms of digital strategy with 100% of ourselves. And we don't have these wars about, well, that page belongs to our department and that page belongs to our department. And no, but rather you get a group of people in the room who are dedicated to making digital content great or any kind of content for that matter. And they don't care what department they're from and they don't, they don't care about that, but they, they communicate across silos and they break down these barriers so that we can give the users what they need. Customers don't care which department that originated from. They could care less. They just want the answer to their question or they want the, the the answer that's going to satisfy their need. And so we need to be, I think, really better about spending time to communicate with each other fully instead of just through email. I always tell people, pick up the phone. I always tell my writers, pick yeah. up the phone. Yeah. The phone is so important and we just totally overlook it. Now, did you did you know that teenagers think it's rude to leave a voicemail? Have you heard this phenomenon now? Um, well, I've got two teenagers, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, perhaps I haven't yes. been communicating with them enough to know or not know. 
<laughs> my babysitter, as I have three young children, so I often have babysitters. My babysitters will text me now. They're like, oh, it's rude to call. I'm like, oh, it's a phone. <laughs> so let me get this right. It's 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 far more unrude to leave a text than call. Is that is that the philosophy? Of... Yes, yes. A text okay. is like, oh, you can okay. answer it if you want. You don't have to. Like, no, it, no worries if you don't. Well, is I'll that, tell you what. As soon, awesome? as soon as the interview's over, I shall go and ask my teenagers. It might just be a USA thing. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's maybe. Uh, it's gonna, if it is, it's it's probably going to mutate over there. And oh, I'm sure form, it we but... get most. Yeah, we get most of what happens in the US, don't we, over here? Yes. <laughs> So I, I, I would really encourage people to communicate, you know, either in person or on the phone. Um, the other thing that I would say is to um, to make sure that you're drawing from all the different parts of the company um, to make sure that you're making the right decisions. And then I would say either take the time to think the decision through carefully or, like I said, we said before, be iterative in small incremental steps. So, you know, you don't have to go all in every time. You can try different things, small things, to see what really makes the difference and tips the scales in your favor. Mm. Now, Harva, can we have some real-world examples? I know just before we started recording, we were briefly chatting about uh, some experience you had with the, uh, with the university. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So... I just did a big content strategy engagement with a big university on the East Coast, and um, there are rankings here of like what the best universities are. I'm sure you have it over there, too. Yeah. And they really want to move into the top 10. They're always hovering somewhere around the 12 or 13 mark, and their goal is to really get into the top 10. And so one of the things that you know, this university is really well known for creating um, great scientists, mm. but they also do a tremendous amount of research in the humanities, and they have reams and reams of people who have really changed the way that we live life on this planet, both scientifically and from a humanities perspective. And a lot of people don't really realize that about the school until they get there and they start to become a part of the culture. And through our research, we really wanted to bubble up some of these ideas. And so I go through this exercise with my clients where I have them, you know, just call out adjectives that they think relate to the brand. And then mm. we go through and we narrow them down to three or four that what I call identity pillars um, or brand pillars, yeah. things that really sort of you know, are the things that uphold the idea of the brand. And one of the ways that I prove that this is true is when I speak at conferences, I'll have people say to me, tell me what you think about Amazon.com. Tell me what you think about Walmart, which is a big chain store here. Or tell me, you know, and people will always call out the same things because those brands have spent billions of dollars to have people have a certain brand notion about them or what I like to call the brand personality. A brand is a promise of a personality. Yeah. And so after we did this with this school, we created this messaging architecture, which helped them then create, um, instead of a lookbook, which is a catalog that schools will send out to prospective students before they apply, they created these cards that the students could build different structures out of, and they were encouraged to post them on social media. And the response was enormous. The president was incredibly delighted. And by going through this process, we got two things to happen. We, we created a system of thinking about the brand and communicating about the brand by creating this messaging architecture. 
but we also took the guesswork out of execution so creativity could flourish. When they no longer had to think about the messages that they were saying, they could think about different content formats that would really appeal to their audience. No teenager or any teenager, I think, would much rather play with a deck of cards that he or she can build something out of than look through a boring catalog. And so that's really where, you know, there was like really I saw like everything coming together and it was really exciting to work with. They were a great team and they were really excited about what they were doing. And it was hard for them. It was challenging to really figure out what the brand stood for. But once they got there, they were really able to enjoy the fruits of that labor by seeing how successful they were. Another really great example that I have for rule number one, which is start with your audience, is that when I started my career, I was a web writer and I used to write hospital content. So for people who had one of my first assignments was for for a cancer institute. Mm. And I would sit in the waiting room and I would just talk to people. You know, I wouldn't identify myself as from marketing. I would just say, you know. I would just start talking to them usually and I'm good at talking to people. And so it was never hard for me to get them to sort of talk about it, to talk about, you know, what they, did they look at the website before they came or what were they expecting when they came or did they look up the doctor? Why did they choose that doctor? And I was always very careful. I I barely ever got people's names or if I did, I got their first names. I was always, you know, I never was prying. I was just trying to get information about who these people were and what they wanted. And I got so much valuable information. One that stands out in my mind in particular is that in this particular cancer institute, the radiation department was far away from the cafeteria. And people who are having radiation are not strong and they are very often feeling very weak. But your first appointment can take hours because they have to map, you know, everything in your body so that they're doing the treatment appropriately. And so one woman said to me, she's like, I really wish I had known to bring something to eat because the cafeteria is far away and there's no vending machine and I'm really hungry and I'm cranky. And, and it just, I just remember her saying that and thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to create a list of what to bring on your first appointment and I'm going to include a snack. And for years, doctors, whenever I would introduce myself as the web writer, they would say, oh, were you the person that told them to bring a snack on their first appointment? That was brilliant. That's what you were famous for. Exactly. I was famous just for that. But that's a real piece of value, right? If you're sick and you're going for the scary appointment and you don't want to be hungry, like that's the last thing you want because that's avoidable and controllable. And so it really, that was like where I really started to see how the more I knew about the people reading my content, the better my content was going to be. And that is what is so important about creating robust, fabulous content experiences for your audience is finding out what they care about and how to bring delight into their world by just learning about the specifics of what they want to know. Yeah, it's very powerful stuff. Now, Harva, a lot of our listeners are, some of them are one-man bands or one-woman bands. A lot of them are small, medium businesses. What would you say to these small businesses? You know, one or two or three top tips for small sure. businesses looking to create content from a, from a marketing perspective. Sure. So the first thing I'd do is I would say listen. And there are so many places to listen now. Um, you know, you can listen in your stores. You can listen in your waiting rooms. You can listen on social media. You can listen by looking at the questions that you get through customer service. There's just so many different ways to listen. So 
gathering information about the lay of the land and what people think about you. And don't be afraid to ask. If you don't have enough information to listen to, then go out and ask people what they think of you. Mm. I very often, after I have a successful client engagement, I'll ask a client, can you tell me why you chose us? And can you tell me what you would like us to improve? And, you know, you can just gather a lot of really great pieces of information by doing that. So that's the first thing I would say is just try to get as much information as you can about what people think about your brand and about what they like, what they don't like, what they wish you would improve. The second thing I would say is not, and it's so e- so much easier said than done, but don't be overwhelmed. Pick one thing you want to be really great at. So we're just at the turn of the year. In 2014, what is a channel you're going to really do well at? So is it going to be Facebook? Is it going to be Twitter? Is it going to be um, email marketing? Hmm. Is it going to be direct mail? Where do you want to make an impact with your content? And that's really determined by who your target audiences are. Where does the majority of people who you're trying to reach spend their time? And learn that channel, everything that you can read about it, everything that you can read in blogs, experiment with it. With Facebook, you can try Facebook ads. Um, if you're going to really work on your blog, really work on getting your membership up. If you're going to work on your email marketing, experiment and see different times that emails go out, build your list, you know, give people incentives to give them your email address. There's so many fun things for people to do in 2014. And it's just, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. But if you choose to focus on one area and improve that area, you'll really see a tremendous amount of dividend throughout the year. And then once you feel like you've mastered it, move on to the next channel that you really think that you could, you could master. And then the third thing that I would say is take a really honest look at your workflow. So where, if you're producing content all by yourself, where could you get outside help that might help you? Don't think about cost. Just ask yourself, if there's one thing that I could take off my plate in terms of marketing, what would it be? And then start to look around and do some research. You would be surprised at how many great apps there are now, how many great professionals there are that don't cost a tremendous amount of money, how many things you could really outsource to somebody else that you would build a relationship with and learn to trust Mm. over time that could really make an impact. Because like I said before, if you don't have other people to do some of this work, you just feel overwhelmed by doing it all yourself. And while I know money, you know, particularly when you have a small business, everybody's always careful about budget and they don't want to spend their money to egregiously, but spending it on somebody who is really going to help you and take that thing you're most worried about off your plate and do it well is going to free up so much of your time and energy to focus on other parts of your business that it's really money well spent. Well, Harvard, that's really useful information. I'm sure our listeners will find that tremendously useful. Before we sign off, tell us where we can find out about you and find out about your book. Sure. So the first thing that you can do is you can look on Facebook. Um, I'm under Ahava Leaptag, A-H-A-V-A. And then my last name is L-E-I, B as in boy, T-A-G as in girl. If you like that page, you will get two to three daily tips on how to improve your content, fast, quick things you can use, articles in the industry that you might be interested in. Just a great way to keep up with the latest trends in digital strategy. The book is on Amazon and every other major e-retailer of books. So just, you know, type in the digital crown or I have a leap tag and you'll be able to find information there. If you're interested, we offer the first chapter free. So if you go to the digital you'll find, you can download the first chapter and read it. 
and if you hopefully you'll love it and you'll mm. go and buy the book. And then um, AHA Media Group is the name of my company, and you can find us on the web at www.ahamediagroup.com. Ahava Liebtag, author of The Digital Crown, winning at content on the web. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you so much, Andy. It was really fun to be here. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. If you're inside the UK, it's o one two seven three two five six one five zero. And you can leave a voice comment or question, and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.